911, what's your emergency? America's healthcare system is broken and people are dying. Welcome to Code Whack, where we shine a light on our callous healthcare system, how it hurts us, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar, this time on Code Whack. What are the most significant roadblocks in achieving single payer in Washington state? What strategies is the movement implementing as a result? We recently spoke to Whole Washington founder and operations director, Georgia Davenport, who has helped lead the all-volunteer initiative effort for universal health care in the state. She also ran for Washington State House of Representatives in 2020. Welcome back to Code Whack, Georgia. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to you. Can you talk about the connections and interplay between healthcare disparities and other disparities in your state? Yeah, I I just went to Seattle over New Year's and um, driving, it's just horrifying. (laughs) Driving from here to there, seeing the the conditions people are living in. And I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, um, but a lot of bankruptcy um, and homelessness is actually a result of people not being able to afford their medical care. Um, a few years back, um, there was a big news story in Bellingham about um, a woman, uh, two seniors who committed suicide because they couldn't afford um, the pills for the, the wife. Um, things like that are happening all across our state, but we don't really hear much about it right now. There's a lot more happening in the news, but uh, it's getting worse and worse out there. Uh, Seattle, you just see tons of tents. Um, and, you know, the the issue that I, I also see is like when, when somebody goes to the emergency room, they've been out in the cold um, and they don't have health insurance, nobody, the taxpayers are paying for that. So if we had a system where we just, we didn't have any of those holes. Um, and that's the funding for the whole Washington Health Trust would, would cover all of that. Um, it's got really great funding mechanisms. We have 14 billion, or sorry, 14 billionaires, not 14 billion billionaires. We have 14 billionaires who live in Washington state. And that's not a coincidence. We don't have an income tax in Washington state. There's, so there's a reason why they choose Washington state to live in. Um, and we we need to tax them. They they're you know making so much money off our system, and we need to ensure that um, they're paying their fair share. So part of the funding mechanisms for the whole Washington Health Trust is a capital gains tax, um, and that that would help with all like catching all those people who are falling through the cracks right now, and ensuring that we have funding so that we can. Um, reimburse the providers who are who are giving care unfortunately not preventative care which is one of the things that people really need you know i always like to give the example of somebody who has a little you know skin tab or growth that might be cancerous but they don't want to go to see the doctor because who knows how much copays or or deductibles they have and so it grows and grows and grows and what could have been like a 100 dollar visit initially ends up being cancer and they have you know maybe they have to go through chemotherapy at that point and then it's tens of thousands of dollars so really the savings are astronomical when you think about a universal health care just for the preventative care alone 
Right, that is such an important point. I'm so glad you made it, thank you. Let's talk a bit about the politics of healthcare reform in your state of Washington. Last year, a Washington state senator introduced Senate Bill 5204, which would create a healthcare trust allowing everyone in the state to access affordable health, vision, dental, mental health care. Your coalition helped draft the bill. What happened to it? Yeah, so it never got a hearing and it never made it out of committee. This is one of the reasons why I really like the initiative process. If you go to the PDC website, which is the public campaign disclosure website here in Washington state, every single campaign and candidate has to file with the PDC anytime they get a donation or an expenditure. Well, you can see that the two chairs of the Senate and House health care committees get tens of thousands of dollars from health insurance packs, pharmaceutical packs. <laughs> Again, I don't think it's any coincidence that these bills never make it out of committee when you when you look at the campaign donations to some of these legislators. What you can do, like, for example, Senator Annette Cleveland, who is the chair of the Senate Health Care Committee in Washington State, you can just Google Senator Annette Cleveland PDC, and it'll pop up with all of her campaign donations. And you just so many health packs and pharma packs have maxed out on their donations to her. And she's the one who refuses to even give our bill a hearing. Or it sounds like well, Washington is focusing its efforts on the upcoming ballot initiative. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, we do try to still lobby our representatives for 5204 because that would be the easiest way. You know, we don't want to have to go collect 400,000 signatures and then um, do a get out the vote campaign for a year. Um, that's that's two two years that people are continuing to die. People are continuing to ration insulin. They're you know they're not able to pay their medical bills, so they end up homeless. I mean that's two extra years um, of of organizing while this system continues. Uh, so it would be really nice if our <laughs> representatives would just pass the bill so that we could save some some Washingtonians' lives, but um, I, I'm pretty cynical on whether, whether or not they're going to make any movement in the next few years, despite the fact that this pandemic has really demonstrated that, that we need a different system. Right. Now, is the bill still active or does it need to be reintroduced? So we have a two-year session, essentially, here in Washington State. So it's introduced the first year and then it's live for two years. So it's still able to get passed, um, but it's a shorter session, the second session. So that's always their excuse to not do anything substantial, <laughs> um, that they don't have the time. So what do you think then is the more likely um, possibility for getting single payer in Washington? Do you think it is the legislative route or is it the ballot initiative route at this point? I think it's going to have to be a ballot initiative. It's just clear to me that, you know, after a certain amount of time of lobbying <laughs> that I've done, actually, when I've gone to Olympia to lobby, I've gotten some pretty honest answers sometimes when I talk to representatives, um, ask, basically letting me know that the health insurance lobby is super, super strong. <laughs> and they, that they're always in the office of these representatives um, and they're maxing out the campaign donations. So who are they going to listen to? I mean, I can't, I can't go to Olympia and lobby full time like these insurance companies can. I have a, a child. I have a day job. <laughs> um, I'm also, 
you know, north of Spokane, so it's a bit of a drive. But these insurance lobbyists, that's their job. Their job is to go in and make sure that the representatives are hearing their cause, not our cause. Right. So what do you think then is absolutely essential for the initiative to succeed? Yeah, we need a lot of volunteers. Again, we need 400,000 signatures. So um, our goal is to get 800 signature captains. And like I said, we were about at 60. So we need a significant amount more. Also, it's kind of expensive to print petitions. Um, it, I think last year it cost us about 22,000 because they're big, they're big pieces of paper. You have to, because of Washington state law, you actually have to print the entire bill on the back of each petition. So it's pretty expensive to print them. So donations, if you're if you're in a different state and you're thinking, well, this would be amazing if one state did it, you know, it's, I feel like it's domino effect. This is how it happened in Canada too. Saskatchewan passed it and then the rest of the provinces were like, hey, that's working really well. We want it too. So I feel like if Washington goes first or California goes first or New York's really close too with their bill, I think that's just inevitable that other states will follow. And then we can use that as like an example of why we need it nationally for Medicare for all, which I support wholeheartedly. I actually went to the Medicare for all hearings. But yeah, we have these beautiful Red Berets on our website you can purchase. Um, The executive director of Red Berets for Medicare for all started Red Berets for Medicare for all a few years ago. And it's just a great symbol of solidarity you can put your buttons on it oh see i'm I'm mirrored here (laughs) um so if you ever go to marches actually they're really warm i just wear them in the winter here it's it's great but you can purchase a red brave from our website to show solidarity with our campaign um, there's also Red Berets organizations in a bunch of different states now. I know New York has one, California has one, so you can you can join one of their organizations and find out how you can get involved in a state campaign. But yeah, if somebody out there is listening and you want to donate to help us, open the floodgates is what we say on Twitter. We're going to open the floodgates so that um, more states can follow our example. I love it. When are you trying to get it on the ballot? So it would be on the ballot in 2023. What happens is you collect signatures. So we would start in about April of 2022. We can file in March. We start in April 2022. We collect all the way to December 2022. And then we turn in the signatures. And then it would be on the ballot in 2023. But if we don't get on the ballot, we're just going to keep trying. I mean, this system is unsustainable and inhumane. Um... So we just, if we fail, we're just going to keep trying. We can't fail and give up. Right. And what would it mean for you to win single payer in the state of Washington? It would mean I have 49 more states to help with. <laughs> and and the national effort, of course. So, uh, you know, I, I do also really believe that we need to... Um, address climate change. So I'll work on that too, but I'm not going to just sit back and say, we did it. Yay. Because there are so many people suffering in this country. Thank you, Georgia Davenport. Whole Washington is set to file its single payer ballot initiative this month in March, and we'll start collecting signatures for the effort in April. Do you have a personal story you'd like to share about our WAC healthcare system? Contact us through our website at heal-ca.org. Find more Code WAC episodes on ProgressiveVoices.com and on Nurse Talk Media. You can also subscribe to Code WAC wherever you find your podcasts. 
This podcast is powered by Heal California, uplifting the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. I'm Brenda Gazar.